All right. Well, I know there are not very many of us out here tonight, but thank you all for coming out. Uh, The Lord says that where two or three gather in his name, there is he in the midst of them. Uh, We'll just gather and we'll have the Lord right here with us. Um, Let's go ahead and open up in a word of prayer this evening. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for allowing us to be here tonight. Lord, uh, I just cannot thank you enough for the freedom to worship you openly that we have in this land. Um, I know just throughout most of the world that is not the case. And I just thank you so much. Help us to be mindful of the freedoms that we have here in America and help us to just do what we can to preserve those freedoms and pass them on down to the next generation. Lord, uh, help us to also use those freedoms to boldly proclaim the truths of your word everywhere that we go in our lives. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. If you would, go ahead and turn to page number 262 in the hymnal. Page number 262, there is power in the blood.
Well, isn't that neat? Looks like we got a few more folks that snuck in during handshaking time, so that's a nice little thing. Um, once again, you know, I appreciate everybody coming out. Um, I know, you know, that there are some people who, if pastor's not going to be preaching, they say, oh, you know, I'll, I'll wait till pastor comes back. But, uh, you know, we have the church open tonight. We're, we're still wanting to come together and meet. Uh, so you all were faithful to that. And I, I know the Lord will bless you for that. And I appreciate you coming out. Um, I also personally appreciate that. <laughs> I found out that I'd be preaching tonight at about 4.55 while I was driving home. Had a call from brother, uh, had a voicemail from brother Travis and it said, hey, Caleb, give me a call when you can, hopefully before 5. And it was right before 5, so I called him up and he said, hey, Caleb, you know, uh, Brother Greg was supposed to preach tonight. He's not feeling too well. Uh, he called me and, and Brother Travis said that uh, he was at a job that they had to get a certain amount done today. And he wasn't sure how much longer that was going to take. So he was wanting to know, would I be willing to preach? And, I was like, yes, sign me up, let me go. So thank you all for being out here, because I would still preach even if it was just my wife, because she had to come. I wasn't going to let her stay at home. But, you know, she really appreciates you being here so that I'm not just staring at her the whole time. That, that would be a little bit awkward. Um, but again, thank you so much for being here. If you would, go ahead and open in uh, the Word of God to the book of Galatians. Book of Galatians, chapter number 5. And, uh, you know, we are in the fall season, even if it doesn't feel like it right now. still feels like we've got a, a bit of late summer going on with these uh, temperatures. Um, it looked like we were transitioning there last week, but then this, uh, I guess, what they call a warm front on the weather sites uh, coming through and, and all that, so... We'll, uh, we'll appreciate it. I know I'll, I'll take pretty much anything else over snow, so we'll, uh, we'll take that. But um, not too many people think about growth in the fall. In fact, we usually think of fall as the beginning of when things are going to start dying off. Uh, you know, the trees out there, they're starting to throw their leaves. Well, a lot of them have thrown most of their leaves already, but uh, there are some that are still in the process of getting rid of their leaves. You know, animals that hibernate or whatnot are starting to pack it in, get ready for the cold season coming on. But, uh, you know, tonight uh, what I'm going to be preaching on is I'm going to be preaching on the fruit of the Spirit. And there is no fall season <laughs> with the Holy Spirit. Um, and in the Christian life, we're always to be growing. Um, you know, that's the, that's the thing is that Jesus is our example. And until any of us in here reaches the level that Jesus was at, we've still got more to do. There is always more to grow. I think of, you know, those gigantic, I've only seen pictures of them, but those gigantic, you know, redwoods out there that they have around California and everything, those things that are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of feet in the air. And you know what? As long as they're still alive, they're still growing. Those trees, they just get a little bit taller, a little bit bigger around every single year. And that's how it should be in the Christian life. No matter how long we've been saved, no matter how much we've learned, no matter how much we've matured in our life, there's still more that we can grow. We can always you know, reach a little bit higher towards heaven. We can always be you know, expanding our area of influence just a little bit further in reaching people for Christ. So with all that said, I want to go ahead and jump into Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. And I want you to notice that, you know, I'm sure many people in here have these verses memorized about the fruits of the Spirit. But I want to point out tonight that it starts with the word, but. So I'll read uh, verses 22 and 23 together, and then we'll go back. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer tonight. Dear Lord, I just come before you, and God, tonight I just ask that you give me just the words that you want me to say. Help me to just say 
exactly what you laid on my heart and help me to not do anything else um, because we need you, Lord. As I just look around the world that we're surrounded by, we need to be nothing but just mirrors reflecting your light into this world. So tonight, Lord, help me to be a mirror that reflects some of your light here and then help all of us to go out into our lives and be mirrors shining that to the our, our workplaces, our homes, uh, even just the places we travel through. Uh, God, just help us to be that shining for you in this world. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, as I already mentioned, uh, when, we when we read about the fruit of the Spirit here, it starts with the word but. Now, you know, I love the English language. Um, I feel like I very much inherited that from my grandmother, uh, Judith. And I, you've got to remember that that but is really, it's a connecting word. Because it's drawing a contrast. It's saying, note the difference. On the one hand, this, but on the other hand, that. This hand is not on its own while it has that word in between it. You've got to go back and see what came before. So I do want to go back up. And so if we look at uh, verse 21, and it starts, you know, not a great place to be. Verse 21 starts off with envyings, murders, drunkenness. That's not a great place. Let's back up a, you know, a little bit further, see if we can figure out what's going on. Verse 20, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. Uh, this is sounding pretty bad. Let's go back to verse 19 now. All right, okay, so we can start with this. We can start with now. And I know that these words were written roughly 2,000 years ago in the uh, book of Galatians, of course, written by the Apostle Paul. And I can tell you that, yes, it was absolutely true that when he said now, all of this was going on. And I can tell you even more so today, in 2017, America... Indiana, this little area of Greencastle, Putnamville, Cloverdale that we sit kind of in the middle of. Now, here, now, verse 19, the works of the flesh. This is, on the other hand, connected by the but. And this is what you've got to understand. The fruit of the Spirit is, that's what we need to show in our life. But we already have the works of the flesh. And they, they cannot coexist together, or at least they, they really should not. Um, if they are, then we've, we've got some uh, uprooting to do. But Jesus talked about that really quite a bit back while he was here, time and time again. Um, you know, he used other words. He talked about the wheat and the tares. He talked about leaven and unleavened bread. And he talked about, you know, just time and time again, this cannot exist with that. And what we have here, honestly, is all of that distilled down into some very simple words where you can relate this to that. And so I'm going to read down through these and then go back and start drawing some uh, comparisons to show you the differences here. So verse number 19 starting, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, Paul is not saying here that if you have any of these in your life, that that's a way of showing you that you're not going to be in heaven. But what he's saying is that these grow out of a life that is full of the flesh. That's just how it works. Someone who is full of the flesh will have these, you could call these the fruits of the flesh. That's not what's to be coming out of us. We're supposed to be full of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to be growing, and what's supposed to come out of our life is that fruit of the Spirit. 
I don't know if you were counting. Um, it sure seemed like I was going on and on and on with those works or fruits of the flesh. And the reason for that is because we have nine fruits of the Spirit. Um, I like the number nine because it's three threes. Uh, I like the number three. Um, you know, I, I'm the firstborn in my family, so I remember, you know, a couple years of great joy where it was just mom and dad and me, we three. And then uh, I had that first little brother come along and everything was shattered and it was terrible. Oh, it was just the worst, just the worst. Uh, but then, you know what? A couple years later came another brother. And while he, that took me a while at first, you know, we've all grown up now and eventually, you know, I, I kind of like them. They're my friends and there's three of us. So we three brothers. And so I like the number three. So nine being three threes, that's just, oh, it's like perfection to me. But three, or sorry, nine fruits of the spirit. But if you were counting, there are 18 works or fruits of the flesh. If you um, count in the last and such like. 18. Now, why is that? Well, the reason for that is uh, if you've ever tried to grow anything, just a little tiny, you know, whether it be a little vegetable garden, whether you've tried to or, or have worked on a big old farm, or whether you even just tried to grow something, some little sunflower or something in a pot at home, you know that it takes work to grow good things. It, good things don't just grow out of the ground on their own. That's not how it happens. You know what does grow out of the ground on its own? Stuff that is, doesn't take any work at all? Well, the Bible has words thorns, thistles. Jesus said tares. Those things which there's nothing good in that. Thorns? What, what good comes off a thorn bush? I've not found any good that comes out of that at all. If you have, you know, let me know later so uh, that I, I can be educated. But uh, I've not found anything good that comes out of that. In fact, I've found a lot of pain that's come out of several of them, uh, especially big ones that you didn't quite see before you stepped around a corner in the woods. But those things grow up, and they, they will flourish on their own. You don't have to tend to them. That's exactly how the works of the flesh are. You don't have to try to have a life that becomes full of things like adultery or idolatry or murders. Those just come naturally. That's because that's what comes out of the flesh. Ultimately, any person, you know, separated from God, that's what will come out. Different people lean one, more one way or the other, but that's what will come out. We have to work. We have to dig out the weeds, keep these things from growing in our life that we don't want. And we've got to focus on helping to nurture those precious fruits of the Spirit. And not only is there double the things, but if, you, if we actually compare the lists, we see that these things match up against each other two for one, just going through the list. So in verse 19, the first two works, or again, fruits of the flesh, we have adultery and fornication. Well, what is the first fruit of the Spirit? Is love. Is love. Now, the world, which is, you know, they, they don't know any better. They, they don't have God in their lives. But they sure claim to have a lot of love. They sure claim that love is what motivates them, that love is what pushes them and, and guides them, but it's not really love because ultimately what they want is they want self-satisfaction. And that's what adultery and fornication ultimately are. It's just self-satisfaction is because that's what they care about. They care about themselves. And that's what is natural for us, but it's not what is right. We've got to take that desire to please self. And when that starts popping up in our life, because let me tell you, as you know, my family has a small little acreage. Most of it has belonged to the cows for most of the time they've been out there. But uh, we grew a couple of gardens. We even had some strawberries at one point. But, uh, you know, you can't keep the weeds out of the garden. You, you can't. It's, they're going to find their way in. And you know what? In our life, there's going to be sin in our life. But here's the key. The key is that you've got to get it out as soon as you find it. You know, pastor uh, is always talking about 
1 John 1, 9. But God is faithful and just and will forgive us if, our, if we, I'm butchering it, I'm so sorry. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the key, is that as soon as we realize, man, I've got some sin growing in my life, whatever it may be, you got to get it out of there. You've got to get that weed out and confess it before God and ask him for forgiveness. Get that out and then start nurturing that love. And ultimately, what true love is, is it's the exact opposite of self-satisfaction. It's self-sacrifice. It is going out of your way to do what is best for someone else. And, you know, the world will even twist that as much as they can because, of course, they're ultimately guided by Satan, the master twister. But they, they will take that and they'll say, well, I'm trying to do what's best for them, but it's what is truly, truly blessed. Letting someone, I, I just overheard a conversation between two of my coworkers today who are both mothers, and one of them was talking about some things that her almost teenage daughter said the other day, and she was like, I was just shocked that she said that. I couldn't believe it. And the other woman said, well, did you like spank her or ground her or something for saying those words? Oh, no, I, I couldn't bring myself to do that. Look, when there is sin, it needs to be dealt with. And, and you know, this applies to far more than just parents. I have some really good parents. They, were, they did a pretty good job of punishing uh, sin in my life. And honestly, if we look back on it, they could have, you know, I, I deserved a lot more. But that's parents, I, I see this so many times say parents who don't punish their children when they're doing wrong things, that's not love. They, and, and that's the thing is that the devil's got those folks so twisted up, they think that they're loving their children. But letting someone do something that ultimately is going to be very, very bad for them, whether it's because of you know, starting some bad habits or, or whatever, that's, that is not love. That's not really looking out in the best interests of that child. Or in other cases, maybe it would be a friend or a coworker or something. That's not love. Love is doing what's best. You know, we, we talk about tough love, and you can get a little too tough in some cases, but love does need to be tough. It does. God loves his children. If you're saved tonight, you're a child of God. And, you know, the Bible says that uh, the Lord chasteneth whom he loveth. If you are doing wrong and you really are a child of God, that old phrase, he'll take you to the woodshed. And it won't be fun. You won't enjoy it. I never enjoyed it when my parents did that. But you know what? They taught me right from wrong. They taught me this is what's right. And they, you know, I've, they raised me in church. They taught me to found my life on the principles of the gospel. But that's, that's love, is sacrificing of yourself for the, what is truly the best of another. Moving on, the next two fruits of the flesh are uncleanness and lasciviousness, as opposed to the fruit of the Spirit, joy. Now, the world, boy, you watch commercials for anything that has to do with alcohol, and the world is trying their best to sell you that they get joy out of that bottle. They, they try real hard, man. They, they go all in. They get, you know, all kinds of superstars. They get good-looking men and women. They get people who, you know, make it look so much fun. But what's the end of all that? The best possible end is a real bad headache the next morning. The worst possible end is death. That's for you and those around you. That's, oh, it's not worth it. I... You know, Haley and I, we have a number of close acquaintances, some of whom I would go so far as to say friends, who we work with, who were, have not been raised in church, don't come from godly families. And they've, you know, they've invited us to different parties numerous times. But any time that they've mentioned that there was going to be any kind of alcohol, we've said, no, we're not going to come. And we've told them we're not going to come because there's alcohol. We don't want that in our life. Well, what do you mean you don't want that? We don't want that in our life. There is no good that comes out of that. There's, there's a comedian 
who said, I don't know, a year or so ago, but he said, you know, you never hear about some, you know, group of people getting drunk and going and building some, you know, houses for people. Because that doesn't happen. There is no good that comes from that. And that's uncleanness, and that word lasciviousness there, that's a readiness for all pleasure. And that's what, that's what they are. They're ready for pleasure to come into their life. And there's pleasure in sin. The Bible says that for a season. For a season. And then afterwards, could be anything. Shame, death, a ruined life, whatever the case may be. It's just not worth it. It's nothing like the joy that God has. There's, you know, we... I mentioned my grandma, and she passed away not too recently. But you know what? I have such incredible joy full of just the memories from here on earth, but also a a huge joy of looking forward to meeting her again in heaven. And she'll probably be really tall. Her back won't have that S-curve in it um, that is all I ever remembered. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. I have a joy and an expectation looking forward to that day. There's nothing here on earth that can compare to that. Nothing at all. But we've got to, we've got to let God give us that joy there, because nothing on earth will give it. The next comparison that we have is idolatry and witchcraft as opposed to peace. And, you know, I find it really interesting that if you study out the words any time in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, that you read about witchcraft um, it always goes back to being some form of the word pharmakeia. And that's the word we get pharmacy from. Ultimately, there is, a, there is no denying, no matter what the world wants to say, that there is a huge demonic influence involved with drugs. I'm not saying that, taking, that someone using drugs instantly means they get possessed by the devil, uh, by a devil, but I'm saying that, look, they're opening themselves up. And... Even as a Christian, who, someone who is truly saved could never be possessed by the devil. But man, you're opening yourself up to attack. You're stepping out of the hedge, the place of protection that God has for you. And you're painting a huge bullseye on your forehead saying, come and get me, Satan. I don't want that in my life. But that's the only way that so many people in the world today can find peace. Because they have all these different problems going on in their life, which you know, especially here in America, is, is almost laughable, really, a lot of these problems that people say they have. If you go and you look at pretty much any other country in the world and you think, what would you say about the person in this situation? And they'd be like, what? You mean they have, they have their own room to sleep in? They don't have to worry about turning on the faucet. And first of all, they have a faucet that brings water to their house. But just And I could just go on and on and on. But... You know, they, people have what to them are these huge, giant problems, and they can't get any peace, and they turn to drugs. You know, there's there's huge drug problem throughout all of America these days, and it's, it's all over the place. It's not just the inner cities. It's out in the hills of Virginia. They've got, you know, big painkiller problems going on out there. Here in the Midwest, we have, you know, meth going on. Um, just in you know the last year or so, we've had a couple of meth busts in Greencastle, where my wife and I live. And but it just all goes out to people are looking for peace. They're not finding any because this world has no peace. You know, Jesus said that you will hear of wars and rumors of wars because there can be no peace if you're not willing to acknowledge the Prince of Peace. Without Jesus, there there can't be any peace. But with Jesus. We should never have anything but peace. The, the worst that could ever happen here on earth is that we die. And then we're in heaven. That's, that ought to give us just such a, a calmness and, and a peace as we go about our lives. We just need to get a hold of that. and We need to just realize that and show that in our life as we go about our business. Let people see that. Up next is... Up next is uh, hatred and variance. And that variance is just division. We're seeing an awful lot of that here in America these days. We got the, you know, this liberal media that's trying to divide people along race lines, trying to divide people along you know, 
financial lines. All they're trying to do is just divide people up, trying to pit one person against another. And that's, I know that's been going on for a long time, but just, you know, the fact that it's so obvious these days, they're not even trying to hide it anymore. And it's, it's really just pretty much disgusting. And hatred that, you know, the world is just full of hatred. It's just looking for a target. But what is, what's the fruit of the Spirit that goes against that? Long-suffering. Now, this is where these fruits of the Spirit kind of start getting a little bit harder. Because um, these are where it, it actually starts, you know, involving how we interact with our fellow man. And that long-suffering one, that can be a bit tough sometimes. You know, I, but it's not about us. And that's the key. To, that really is the key to long-suffering. It's not about us. It's about God. And therefore, if someone is, you know, if we're trying to talk to someone and they're being receptive to whatever we're saying, you know, keep on going. Try to get a chance to, you know, talk to them about the Lord. If we're talking to someone who is not wanting to put up with us, you know what? Ultimately, they're not getting mad at us. They're getting mad at our Lord. But just have that long suffering. Don't be full of that hatred and division. Up next, we have emulations and wrath, and that's as opposed to gentleness. And I, I, think, I don't think I can really explain that any better than just the words wrath versus gentleness. That, and that wrath is more than just an outburst. That, is a, that, that has the idea of it's a long-term thing. It's this, this person who has this in their life. Everything they do is characterized by that wrath. Everywhere they go, they're, you know, they're slamming their foot down on the accelerator driving down the highway. They're cursing out the person in the car in front of them because that person's not going fast enough. They're, you know, yelling at people to get out of their way while they're, you know, trying to get to the next big sale over there on Black Friday. They're, you know, yelling at people at work because whatever reason. Just everything they do is characterized by that wrath. And that's, to be honest... In my nature, that's something that characterized me a lot back when I was younger. I was full of that wrath. I, I just was always angry. But you know what? God has taught me over time that, first of all, it's a whole lot better for me to not have that. Uh, just not being so high strung, not being so just lashing out at everything. It's just so much nicer just to have instead that gentleness in your life. Just to say, you know what? It's all right. You go ahead in front of me. We'll all get where we're going. It's a lot safer, especially if we're talking about driving a car, too. But just be gentle. That's, you know, we think of Jesus. Now, yes, Jesus had that one time where uh, those people had turned the, the temple into a den of thieves. And, yeah, he threw tables over after making a whip and chased them out. But what was the entire rest of his life characterized by? When he was there in court being slandered by people that they had pulled off the street and handed money to, and they'd said, we need you to say this about this man. When he could have opened his mouth and could have been polite about it and said, that's not the truth. No, instead, he took gentleness to the ultimate level and laid down his life. He could have called down all the angels in glory. He could have called all of them to, you know, defend him from those soldiers. And, you know, one angel in one night when Israel was about to be attacked killed 180,000 soldiers. That was what one angel did in one night. Imagine what, you know, I don't know how many angels there are, but if there were only 1,000, well, if there were only 1,000, they could have killed 180 million soldiers. I mean, but he wasn't. He was gentle, like a lamb to the slaughter. He laid down his life for us. And we need to emulate that. We need to have that, we need to have that fruit in our lives. Up next is strife and seditions. And that's, you know, strife is just friction. That's rubbing up against someone. That's where two people meet and they can't agree on something. And seditions is stirring up other people. Strife is kind of where someone is, you know, always wanting to fight against someone else. Seditions is where they're stirring other people up. 
going around and, and saying, did you hear this about this person? Did you hear that about that person? And then going over and sitting in a corner later and watching them fight about it. But, you know, what's the fruit of the Spirit against that? Goodness. Goodness. Boy, we need to be really careful about what we say to other people so that we're not building strife. Now, there are some things that are worth fighting about. You know, I will fight with somebody, verbally or physically, if it came down to it, about the Bible. Fight for my wife. But uh, there's a lot of things that we don't need to fight over. There's a lot of things where we can just say, you know what? It's all right. I, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with you over this because that's not worth it. And so we've got to have that goodness in our life. And you know what? Our, I keep coming back to him. Jesus is our ultimate example. Jesus knew the things to fight over. The temple, oh yeah, Jesus fought over the temple. People who wanted to come and hear the word of God preached. You know, I think of times where the Pharisees, or even not even the Pharisees, I'm sorry, but times when the apostles were trying to keep people from coming to Jesus. Little children, and Jesus said, hey, suffer the little children to come unto me. Let people come and see their Messiah. Don't get between people and Jesus. That's that goodness. Don't be stirring up strife. Don't be fighting with somebody about stuff that doesn't matter. Know where those lines are. Get in the Bible so you can know and have that goodness in your life as you go about. Then up next, we have heresies and envyings. Now, and this was uh, something that I'd never really thought about before, but this was explained to me when I was in Bible college. A heretic is not necessarily someone who is completely against everything that you believe in. A heretic is someone who has a very passionate belief that just so happens to be wrong. And, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of people who maybe are like in the Catholic Church who would classify as heretics. Like, if they truly believe that they can obtain salvation by praying to Mary... That's a heresy. That's a belief that they, I'm, they maybe hold it very, very strongly, but that's not right. It's about Jesus. We've got to go to Jesus. We don't, we don't need any other intermediary, but no, none but Jesus. So that's, that's a heresy. But what is the opposite of that is faith. We need to have a true and a holy and a pure faith. The only way to do that is to get in the word. We've got to know what the Bible says. Because I believe the Bible. I will be the first to tell you that there are some things in here that I don't understand. But you know what? I pray and I ask God to give me some understanding. And he, helps, he will help you to learn if you will just trust in Him. Get in the Bible, read, and pray and ask Him to show you stuff from it. And then up next, we have murders and drunkenness. Murders and drunkenness. And I find it really interesting going two by two that those go together because the world will never admit that. The world will never admit that alcohol leads to so many negative things. Because we, you know, we talked about it earlier that they are want they have a readiness, that lasciviousness, they have a readiness for all pleasure. And they use alcohol to help open themselves up to more pleasures. But ultimately, it just leads to so many negative things. And one of those that it leads to is murders. You know, I think of, you know, the, so many different times that, you know, there are uncounted stories of, you know, husbands who are fine most of the time until they go out drinking. And then they come home and they beat their wife. And that's, that's just horrible. What is that? They're letting something affect them in a way that they normally never would, but they're, they're making that choice, and then that, that introduces them to another path that they normally wouldn't think about, and they make another bad choice, and another bad choice, and another bad choice, and it can so easily lead to murder, and that's so terrible. What's the, what's the opposite of that? Meekness. We have meekness. Because what is all of that? Again, that's choosing yourself. But meekness is choosing someone else. That's putting someone else in front of you. And that's, 
awful hard. That is real, real hard. You know, I think of at work, that'd be like saying, no, I, I don't deserve this promotion. If they came and, and wanted to promote you, saying, no, give it to someone else because he's just as qualified as me. That's meekness. And now I'm not saying you need to do that. If you are the qualified person, you know, take the promotion. But do we have that desire to put other people before ourselves? Jesus sure did. Went so far as to put our eternal souls ahead of his own life. I got to tell you, that's awful hard to live up to. Awful hard to live up to. But that's our example. That's what we need to strive for. Again, this is a fruit. This is something that gets choked out by weeds very, very easily. We have to get those weeds out of our lives, and we have to tend to this. We've got to carefully nurture this. We've got to make sure it gets just the right amount of sunshine, just the right amount of shade, make sure it stays watered. By the way, I, I forgot to say that earlier, the fruit of the Spirit, all fruits need water. Bible many times refers to the Word of God as water. Um, if, if you do not have the water of the Word in your life, this fruit will not grow. But are we putting others ahead of ourselves, or are we thinking of ourselves first? And then at the end, we have revelings and such like. A revel is far more than just the the closest word that we have these days is like a party but it's far more than just a party it's a revel has the idea of a huge wild completely uncontained event where anything could happen and everything is happening if it can physically take place at a revel then it is taking place at a revel and that's ultimately that's really what a lot of these parties that people want to throw these days turn up and end up being. You know, they, they have that crazy yearly thing out there, in, um, out there in the desert. I forget which country, if it's, or not country, I forget which state. Um, but the, uh, that Burning Man festival that they have where they get together and, and all. They start off by getting drunk and then they go and they do anything that they can think of. That's, that's a revel. It is a wild, uncontained, just mass of people doing whatever they want. And that is horrible. There's so many bad things that come out of that. You know, God gave us rules for a reason, and largely they're to protect us. You know, I, mom and dad, they tell you, you know, don't touch the stove. Well, you know, little kid, you don't... Why shouldn't I touch the stove? Well, mom and dad said not to. That's all you need to know when you're little. Mom and dad said not to. And then one day you think, oh, they can't tell me what to do. And you go over there and you touch the stove. And buddy, if that thing was hot, you get burned. And it hurts. Because you needed to stay away from that. Those rules were there for a reason. We have yards. And, and you know, a lot of people put fences over their yards. Why? For either pets or for young children to keep them away from where cars are going down the road. Because with a car, especially if it's not just some, you know, little, um, you know, like 20 mile an hour area, anywhere else, boy, a car will do a lot real fast. There won't be a whole lot of coming back. So we put those, we, we put those rules there, no going out past the fence. They're there for protection. God gives us, there are plenty of rules in the Bible they're there for our protection time and time and time again. It's all there to protect us because God wants what is best for us. God's not keeping something away from us because he knows, oh, we would just enjoy it way too much. He's thinking about what is best for us. And that, that goes into that last fruit of the Spirit is temperance. And what is temperance? Temperance is ultimately, it's that control. And I don't want to use the phrase self-control, which is how a lot of people use it, because we should not be self-controlled. We should be spirit-controlled. And that's what that temperance is. It is when we say, you know what? It really follows after meekness pretty well. It's where we say, God, I'm going to put you in charge of my life. I'm going to say, I'm not the boss. I'm, I'm going to say you be the boss. 
And God, I want you to control me. I don't want to have self-control. I, I don't want that. I want to be spirit-controlled. And that's, there's a reason that that's the uh, last of the fruits of the Spirit listed here, because that one's the hardest. That one is the hardest. I, I know, especially for me, I, I like to be in control for the most part. You know, I, my wife's a really good driver. I don't mind if she drives me around. Uh, she gets car sick a lot if she doesn't drive, so that kind of works out. But I don't like too many other people to drive me around. Most other people, I'd rather be the one driving. You know, if I'm at work um, and there's something that needs to be done, I'd rather be the one going out and, like, looking for that missing item because I, I want to make sure that, you know, it's getting done right. And I'm not saying I can't trust some of these people. Well, some of them, I am saying that. But what I'm saying is I, I like to be the one in control. But I, I shouldn't want self-control. I should want spirit control. I should want that temperance in my life. And I need to take that, that beautiful, joyous fruit, that thing that if I let it grow in my life, people will be able to see it and people will be like, there's something different. You've got something that I don't have. Because ultimately, the fruit of the Spirit, yes, it, it, it grows out of us, but ultimately... It's for the lost people because they look at their lives and all they see is those thorns. They see those thistles. They see those, you know, I call them sticker bushes sometimes because that's all that they can grow. But they should look at us and they should see this gorgeous looking fruit, this fruit of the Spirit. And they, they don't know what it is. They've never seen anything like that before. But they should see it in us. And they should want to have that in our lives. And that should give us a chance to talk to them about Jesus. So tonight, and the rest of this week, think about the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Think about what are some of these weeds that maybe it's still really small. Maybe I can get this out real quick and me and God can just have a little talk and I can say, God, forgive me for letting this start growing. Get that out of my life and it'll be over nice and easy. Or maybe we've got a little patch that has kind of been there a little while and it's going to take some digging. And we're going to have to get rid of some other things that those have grown their roots down into so that that fruit that God is trying to grow in us can really start to get some of that sunlight and some of that water and not be choked back. And just pray and ask God, God, will you show me? Show me how I can grow more fruit, how I can get bigger fruit in my life. And don't ever think that you've reached a point where you can't grow any more fruit in your life because you know what? I think of those spies that went into the land before Israel crossed over Jordan, and it took two men with a pole between them to carry back a cluster of grapes. Now, I've seen some big grapes in my life, but I've never seen any that were so big that it would take me and somebody else with a pole between us to bring it back. And I'm telling you, that's the fruit that God wants to grow in your life. He wants you to have that to where it would take several people to really just cart off the fruit of the Spirit that's growing in your life. Let's go ahead and...